everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am your host, Mary Catherine Ham. We are your morning show for any hour, especially happy hour. Please fill up a cocktail. I'm done being pregnant. I'm going to have one. I'm here as always with my co-host and buddy, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm doing fine. It's funny that you should mention cocktails. I'm in the middle of getting through this book by J.M. Hirsch called Pour Me Another. Nice. And it's basically, they would never call it that because of, you know, obvious reasons, but it's basically a booze for beginners book. Okay. So it's like if you if you're like interested in cocktails and you're not really sure where to begin because maybe your only experience was some crazy bad cocktails in college. <laughs> you know drinking some Red Bull. Yeah, bomb, Red Bull, some your, fuzzy navels. Yeah, things like that. And so it, it starts off with basically, well, what do you like? Savory, sweet, okay. creamy, bitter, whatever. And then they be, it begins there with, well, if you like that, you should try something very basic, and it works its way up to in strength as you go along the book. And there's a little guide in the corner about, like, if you like this, you might want to try that. So I started testing some of the recipes in the book because of research, mm -hmm. of course. There was a really good one called The Journalist, and it is a combination of- Of, of despair of and despair. layoffs. <laughs> the sense of dread. It's called the chat GPT. <laughs> It's uh, yes, it is. It's a combination of gin. This is in the gin section. I like gin, so it's 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 gin and sweet vermouth and dry vermouth and a dash of lemon juice and then some bitters mixed together. I might be missing something else. It's it's funny because it tells you, warning: this drink is a silent killer. And I made it and I gave it to Kate to try. And I said, oh, she was like, oh, really? I shouldn't. You know, we're just at home. It's a Saturday night, right. a, a rare Saturday that we're at home. She's like, oh, I kind of like this. So I put them in these little, these, these small glasses and just gave it. And the next thing you know, you're just pouring extra. I said, well, I only made a, enough portion for one. So let me make a portion for two. Right. And then started pouring that. And the next thing you know, I'm making an aviation. And while this is happening, uh, we decided to finally activate our Apple Music. Okay. You know, and six months for free. Look. But like, what do we do? Where do we go? What to listen to? So our daughter was there. She's 13. Luckily, she's like, let me show you. Oh, she's going to DJ for get. you. Gotcha. Yeah, DJ. For us with like Dua Lipa mm -hmm. and you got it. Good uh, thank job. you and others and all of a sudden the music I'm in the other suddenly Kate comes out starts dancing up a storm and she had this little scarf and she's doing a little prop with the scarf my daughter's laughing I'm like what is going on and I realized it was the uh, it, it it slipped under the radar just, yeah. yep yep the journalist is a again it's a deadly I want to try silent. This. <laughs> that doesn't sound right Wrong at all. Context. Silent killer. Sorry, um, sorry. I am surprised that anything with gin can sort of sneak up on you because gin is so bold. It is so well disguised huh. by the other flavors, particularly the lemon flavors in this. I mean, it's quite refreshing without being like overly tart and sour. I mean, there's some weird ticks in the book. He seems to be obsessed with wanting to add a couple sprinkles of salt to each cocktail. Just to I mean, up. apparently, I would, I would not object to this. As right, they, they chartreuse, chartreuse. I don't have chartreuse. I did buy Benedictine and maraschino liqueur. So not maraschino juice from the cherries, okay. but maraschino liqueur, which is a whole other thing. So doing that, and there's other things that I just don't have. One takeaway, okay, is you know I get so involved and so into making cocktails. You just assume everybody else is, and then you'll go to somebody's home, including like relatives. They have nothing. Yes. So, one, of, one of our Christmas objectives was to restock because oh, we were yes. out of a few things. Just basics, so basics. The, the parents, we put it on our Christmas list. We're like, you just get us a bunch of gin. We need some new vodka. We, you know, we were out of some things. And, That's uh, great for a list. And I do, I do need to, I need to work on my bartending a bit. I just, I'm a little discombobulated. You know, I'm not used to making anything, so it just takes a little time. <laughs> you mean like with your like motor skills? Yeah, just fine like, motor skills. It's just like you gotta put all these things together, mm -hmm. and it's like a, it's a lot, and they're stored in different places, and I'm like, ugh, just give me a beer. You know? I find I gotta, I gotta step up my commitment. I find you know, like they have this new, this machine, the Bartesian. Right, we have friends and some relatives who have bought the Bartesian. It's a, it's like a Keurig machine. No, really. Except for you put a pod for cocktails. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes, I and don't know so if I like this. There are different containers that you could put different spirits in, where normally you would have water, and then you put a pod that just has the flavor and spices of bees knees, old fashioned. It's interesting. I've had it. It's very convenient if you have a party, but you know, my mother-in-law was like, "Oh, I can get you one." I said that would put me out of a job. Yeah. I said, for me, 
making the cocktail, I find That's what I'm very, here for. Right. it's meditative. And I find it very relaxing after a day of doing other, you're using another different part of your brain. I find it so fulfilling cooking and making cocktails. Okay. I mean, that's why we all go to Vic's house. <laughs> it's true. Okay. <laughs> it's like, you know what I find fulfilling? Having two children running around under two. Come to my house yeah. and enjoy that yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're far <laughs> away from that. I can do this now. And the kids just put, they roll their eyes because they know what I'm up to. And right. sometimes there's some shaking well, going I'm on. Glad to, I'm exciting. glad to hear that it was a wild night on Saturday. It was a wild night. It was just at home. And that was it. How are you? I'm good. I had a wild morning yesterday. Uh-oh. Because for the first time, I had to get all four children out of the house and to school drop off on time. And I am going to tell you guys that I was blessed and I did not yell at my children one time during this process. And I got all four in the car. Our goal is eight o'clock to leave the house. We got out of the driveway at 8.05 and we got to school on time. Now, there's one flaw in the plan. Which is, and I apologize for the potty humor, but my toddler, who's really coming into her toddlerhood mm-hmm. right as this baby was born, which comes with upsides, which is like her personality's coming out. It's very funny and fun and charming. However, she has zero reasoning capabilities, barely understands English, and is very strong and hell on wheels, right? So she's just like, she's a lot. She's a lot. And as a bonus, what she likes to do is when, you get, when she gets up in the morning, she likes to get a new diaper, and then she likes to soil the new diaper that you have just given her, right? She's like, I need a fresh one, parents, <laughs> and then I'm going to do the thing, right? So right, I got it all timed out. I got Cal in the car. The girls are loaded up, and I'm, I change the baby, the toddler, right before we leave, stick her in the car, stink bomb in the car. <laughs> you know, it like, takes, yeah. The second we're in there in an enclosed space, Thank you, sweetie. So two possibilities here, right? One is it just takes the amount of time it takes for her to get up in the morning and then get in the car. That amount of time needs things to start percolating inside yeah, maybe her. Maybe I and shouldn't, then the maybe timing I shouldn't is give her her that. morning coffee. You know, it's <laughs> like a, I think yeah, that's known to that's speed right. things that's up. That's right, speed things up. So maybe if I cut that. that yeah, it's, it's diuretic and such. The <laughs> other possibility is that it's just the new sensation of something that feels nice and no, fresh. No, I, and then, I uh, feel like she's deliberately sabotaging us. <laughs> okay, so when you change... Wait, so it's, when so she, re- it's so yeah. regular that I'm like, let's just put her on the potty and see what happens. Yeah. Maybe we could just knock this out. You but, might be onto it and that's worth trying. So my question is, when she gets up in the morning, you just automatically change her from the night before. Yes, because, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a mess. Is it then, a, So it's already a mess and then not, on top... It, yeah. Not too much of a mess. Uh, she's waiting on number two. That's what she's waiting on. Oh. <laughs> Man. This is a family show. I, this is a family show, and I, my memories of that are so vague now that the only thing I remember is having uh, thinking of Tim Robbins in the Shawshank Redemption yeah. when he is in that sewage pipe, and he has yes. to, it was like, <laughs> the length of, what, 10, 5 football fields, whatever Gross. it is. And, 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 you know, and the key was, mm-hmm. uh, the key was, for, for new parents, you know, that the key is to breathe, do, do not breathe out of your nose. Yep. Yep. Don't even try to kid yourself like a little bit nah. might be okay. It's You not. don't have what it takes, you man. You've got to learn to breathe out of your mouth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So we're surviving. But I did, right. I did, I forgot about toddlers. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and Steve's, between Steve's like, my goodness. Yes, she's, she's a lot. But. Well, we especially because they're. They're older, so it, the cleaning is a bit more involved. Yes, and she she took a dive off the couch this oh. week, like over the back of the couch, <laughs> and Steve was there for it, and he was it just she moved really fast. This is how fast and strong she is. She gets onto the couch by herself, and then over the back of it, she decides she's going to make basically a flying leap for something on the other side of the oh, couch, which goodness. we had been worried about and looking mm-hmm. out for, and she went with with purpose over that couch and she ended, she was fine and it's probably a good lesson you know they got to slam their fingers in some stuff and, and yeah. fall off of things and then they learn she landed on rug uh, no. oh. <laughs> but again she's fine uh, <laughs> we are thinking about putting like one of those workout pads on the other side of the couch so just in case oh, there's yeah. a little yoga mat over there just, just to cushion the ball so for the corners yeah at any rate it's adventures adventures the point is i got there on time and then later in the day I got to a meeting on the hill on time, which never happens because I always get lost over there and like it's end amazing. up in heels 
oh. going down 14 different corridors and getting in the members yeah, especially uh, in the hill. elevator by accident. Hi, guys. It's me. I was not elected. And then so I got to my meeting on the hill, had a great time, talked to Congressman Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Lovely guy. And and that was that was with Guy Benson was there as well and came home and wrapped it up around seven o'clock at night because that's what I do now. <laughs> and then when are you like in bed done? I mean, I'm done by like 630, but I'm not in bed till like nine. I think we watched The the Last of Us. We're watching that. So I stayed oh, yeah, up. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Creepy but good. Yes. Creepy I've been hearing good. about. Oh, that's like, is it apocalyptic. Yes. Okay. Yes. I've been watching The Bear. I know. Oh, I haven't gosh. gotten into that one. It makes okay. me want to go back to Chicago. Okay. Okay. News? News? Let's get to the news. <laughs> All right. First up, we have not talked about this ever, I don't think, on the yeah. show. It's it's in our wheelhouse, though. And that is the law that passed in California, enacted in January. Unbelievable. That limits, well, it it purports to punish doctors for giving out misinformation. That's right. Particularly on COVID-19. So I'll read a little bit about the law. Under AB 2098, which took effect on January 1st, it shall constitute unprofessional conduct for a physician and surgeon to disseminate misinformation or disinformation related to COVID-19, including false or misleading information about the nature and risks of the virus, its prevention and treatment, and the Development, safety, and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. The law defines misinformation as false information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus contrary to the standard of care. That's a lot of speech covered right there. It is. My first question, of course, how? How were they planning on executing this, determining this? What is the process? Do they put... Uh, little microphones and cameras in the doctor's offices. <laughs> right. I think this is probably a reported thing. Yes, and this, this is, is this is very it's very East German. Right. No, yeah, Please exactly. rat on your doctor. No, it's gone it's gone before two federal judges now. One found that it was fine. Ooh. Another federal judge just this week found that it's problematically vague. That's right. And there is now a preliminary injunction on this. I say thank goodness to that, but this seems like a slam dunk. The idea that it's gone before two judges and yeah. one was like, this seems fine to me. Also, this does not explicitly touch on the First Amendment issues with the law, which I think is like uh, sort of a mm-hmm. sort of a giant blinking light here. It mainly deals with this is too vague and oh, therefore yeah. might infringe on First Amendment, but it doesn't really deal with that yeah. on its on its face. And the state is like, no, 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 no. We made this totally clear. But the judge says it fails to provide a person of ordinary intelligence fair notice of what is prohibited and is so standardless that it authorizes or encourages seriously discriminatory enforcement, which I don't know if you remember how COVID went down for the past two and a half, three years, but discriminatory enforcement would be a problem here. Yeah, it's sad, but not really unexpected that this law would have been created in the insistence on we must follow these rules until those rules change, but we'll decide when that happens. Props to the judge. I believe his name is Judge Shub. Yes. And I believe, and he said it was, quote, unconstitutionally vague. And I think that's right. So props to him. The idea that doctors would be under a threat of either reprimand or disbarment. Or yeah, getting, yeah, getting their, for license, saying their professional what, license. Maybe for say, suggesting maybe... You don't need to get vaccinated because of your condition, right. perhaps. Well, and this is this is the problem is because things have been ever shifting. Oh, the standard of care on mm-hmm. COVID has been ever mm-hmm. shifting. The standard of what is considered misinformation yeah. has been ever shifting. And fi- frankly, even when there's not nonsense afoot, as there has been in mm-hmm. public health dealing with COVID, even when there's not nonsense afoot, science is ever changing. So. How Don't do they you, say that themselves? Yes. How do you regulate right. what your doctor is allowed to talk about? And that's that's the thing is that this is not just the act of prescribing, which I still think they should have a lot of leeway mm-hmm. on, all that kind of stuff. This is just conversations mm-hmm. with your doctor. And what could what could get caught up in that? Well, certainly in the past couple of years, the idea of what your risk profile is and yep. whether the vaccine is right for you. Maybe you have an autoimmune disease that you'd rather not have the possibility of flaring mm-hmm. up. Maybe you are low risk to begin with because you're younger and higher risk for the myocarditis complication. Right. Like, just it seems or to me that. Or any concern if you have cancer, for example. Right. In concerns. California, 
having that conversation with your doctor could put your doctor at yeah. risk. Yeah. It'll send you before the California Medical Board. So The uh, ACLU, yeah. by the way, behaving and jumping in on this, two California branches of the ACLU on the right side of oh, this. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Lately, you're not, I'm not so sure because they nice. take weird positions and- Lately, they they seem to be favoring the, the the authority of the state, which is rather depressing. I was I was going to say it's also so bad that even Gavin Newsom had concerns. That's how bad it was. <laughs> but I mean, again, as you were saying, you know, the science is ever evolving. This is something they tell us whenever they change their position. Mm-hmm. But are only they allowed to change their position? Is that how it works? Well, I mean, and by the way, I'm reading a little bit from Reasons reporting on this, but this is to me, this is the bottom line: physicians who want to avoid the ordeal of having to try to keep your license or fighting against this. First mm-hmm. of all, you're your reputation's torn to shreds just yep. by having to go through the process. Oh. And it's I'm sure it's onerous. I'm sure it's ex- yeah. it would be expensive. Physicians who want to avoid that ordeal would have to think twice before offering their parent their patients their honest opinions. That is how a chilling effect works. And then they note also, which I hadn't thought of, hey, two judges who are highly trained in mm-hmm. legal language and the Constitution are diametrically opposed on whether this is okay and what it means. And yet physicians who do not have law degrees are required to figure this out every day of their practicing lives. Yeah. How's that going to work? No, it's ridiculous. Uh, again, when we talk about the science changing, I was thinking about Fauci and Rochelle Walensky and all our other health experts and how, you know, it's now been determined that Fauci's agency did not do a great job with gain of function. How dare? Research. How dare I mean, so, you say? Again, at the time, it's like if you were to suggest at the time that this virus came from a lab right. in China, from the Wuhan Virology Lab, you would have been banned from yep. social media. Yep. And now we know for a fact that, you know, they were doing gain-of-function research under Fauci and that they they were openly, they, they admit now, you know, they're creating coronavirus, right? right? They're creating coronavirus, but we, prom- but we promise you that's not how it happened, <laughs> right? It didn't leak from, even though we're making it, it, there's no way it leaked from the lab. It came definitely from the bat. Or the pangolin lizard and jump to a human in a wet market. To my mind, the uh, the greatest point on the the possibility of the lab leak theory is John Stewart. Yeah, who says you know if there's a bunch of chocolate all over the place mm-hmm. in Hershey, and it originated in Hershey, Pennsylvania, <laughs> I it's not that it's yeah. actually not that unclear where it came from. Probably that's right. But yes, so. the, any of these people would be. Any of those theories, yeah. any of that talk during 2020 and 2021 would be subject mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. these laws, which to me so clearly go into speech, not just yeah. professional practices. And the fact that I, I am glad that like Gavin Newsom cares a little bit that this might go overboard. So few people care about stuff like this. No, I mean, like, how no, no, no. How I mean, if you're saying bad covered? things, you yeah. shouldn't say them. Like this should be covered more <laughs> yeah, in the press. Pretty- Pretty lightly covered. By the way, I just saw this sound clip from Gavin Newsom. You know, the state that we're, he's the governor of the state that we're led to believe is the real home of freedom, guys, mm-hmm. the real home of freedom, even though they do stuff like this regularly. Just a funny soundbite from old Gavin, who is, of course, has his sights on possibility, possibly the White House yeah. if Biden declines to run. Here's him talking about the addiction epidemic in California. Clean and sober is one of the biggest damn mistakes this country's ever made. I know it's a hold-your-hand idealistic point of view that somehow magically, I mean, God bless some of you. If you're like me, I've been known to have a glass of wine at night watching some of the nightly news. Uh, We all need to self-medicate periodically. He's talking. What's happening here? California has a big big drug problem out there, big drug problem all over the United States, a lot of ODs. He says, clean and sober is one of the biggest damn mistakes this country ever made. And then he talks about how we all need to self-medicate. By the way, I, I imagine this is a possibility that if, if a doctor said this, it could be misinformation. You know? Oh, yeah. I think the point he was making is that they're going to point toward harm reduction as opposed mm-hmm. to teetotaling programs. However, it would have been nice if they had done that on COVID, right? Like, <laughs> anyway, just, like yeah, this is this that's... is the political genius and mm-hmm. gifted orator that the the press and the left is going to suddenly tell us oh, is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. No, they're just going to go along with it. And if he changes his position, he changes his mind, that's fine. They'll go along with him as well. I was going to say, speaking of COVID, are you excited about May 11? You know, so... Yeah, we forgot to... We should have started the show with the announcement. big that one. This is big. The this pandemic is, is ending. There is a... This is like VJ Day. No, you know, it's like... <laughs> like there's, a, there's a new album dropping, May 11th. <laughs> or that. There's a, there's a date... 
because science dictates that yes. the pandemic is over on a certain mm-hmm. date. It can't. You can declare it over, but you have to give it some lead time. You do because the the uh, the virus has a very full calendar. Mm-hmm. It likes to know right. when when it's ended. Right, right, and right, so- right now, right now, we're in the the Okinawa stage mm-hmm. of defeating the virus. Right, we went through some nasty ones in Saipan <laughs> and other places, and now we're on our way to drop the big one. Yeah, on May 11th. Is this Asian hate? Is that what you I were doing? Say just as then, as a, a, is that AAPI hate? It's a longer acronym than that because we're all lumped together, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited yes. for the end. I, I, Biden I, has declared, yes, declared that May 11th will mm-hmm. be the end of the pandemic. This comes, I think, just as Republicans in the House were about to introduce a bill that would have yeah. done the same. So he's yeah. like, ha ha, I ended it first. A reminder to Republicans, what you can do if you all worked together and the... The threats that you will pose to the other side if this happens, for example, they're try- the, the, the Democrats now trying to anticipate this by getting ahead right. and declaring it May, May 11th will be the end of COVID. And by the way, I can't. The first thing I'm going to do is take off this double mask. Yeah. And then, and then it's been strange to podcast with I, you like this the yes, whole time. Yes, I know it's been so weird, and the and the goggles, right, right, and the facial. But you got you know better safe than sorry, man. You got and and I hope are you going to go finally go back to restaurants? I hope so. Well, I have this newborn who I've been you can spending, sit outside. It's spending January. a lot of time finding masks that fit him. Oh yeah, and and so I haven't been able to go back to the restaurants yet. You know, as you know, children are the biggest vector. Speaking of restaurants, okay, we're just setting people off over here. By the way, speaking of restaurants, go ahead. All the restaurants. Are going, they're oh, going AI. This is, this is a depressing story. They're going AI, yeah. Vic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. After the pandemic, we've really messed up a lot of things during, in, in retrospect, not a great time. Yeah. Not a great time. I feel like we were sort of headed there in this direction of automation, but the pandemic really yes. went into overdrive. This is the Wall Street Journal reporting mm-hmm. on this trend. McDonald's Corporation has a new restaurant outside Fort Worth, oh. Texas, with no tables or seats for customers and a conveyor belt that routes. Food to drivers who order ahead. Chipotle Mexican Grill also offers no place for customers to sit inside an Ohio restaurant that only takes digital orders. Taco Bell is evaluating a new design that features four drive through lanes, double the typical two. Everybody moving to more automation, less dining area, fewer people allowed inside. Yeah. How do we feel about this development? Not just less dining, by the way, Mary Kath, less human interaction. I know. How do I feel about it? I feel like as an old person, getting very old very soon this week, marginalized because I feel marginalized because okay. because it's like, what about the old people? Okay, obviously people older than me who don't use their apps for mm-hmm. everything to control their locks on their doors, on their cars and houses and their thermostat and their doorbells and, and ordering things. They just want to go in. Right. And as you would stand in line and tell a cashier, I would like this. And now you have kiosks. I think it's terrible. I do think there's a, there is an assumption that every demographic is going to be fine with using yes. all of this technology. And I remember during the pandemic, actually, when everyone had to get online to get their vaccine appointments in the oh. early days. And the most at-risk people yeah. are having to use government-based technology, user interfaces, yeah. to do these complicated systems to sign up for this. And I was like, they... Everyone needs to call in their grandkids and help them do this because it's not going to happen because it really is more complicated for different demographics. There are plenty of 70-year-olds who can handle it, Mm -hmm. but it's not as comfortable as as talking to somebody. I have to say that I I fell off the in-person interaction bandwagon during the pandemic because it became so easy to just do the app Starbucks order. (laughs) At at the beginning, I was like, I am going to talk to these cashiers. And then then I was like, I got all these kids. I can just get it on the app. Well, no, there are, you know, I mean, there are reasons for convenience. And again, as the as the journal reminds us, you know, the move towards speed and convenience has been going on since the end of World War II, right? Right. In and Out Burger, and then Wendy's, I think, in seventy, and then McDonald's in seventy five. I didn't realize that the drive through was a product of a McDonald's McDonald's drive through started in seventy five near an army base where they installed a sliding window because soldiers at the nearby base were not allowed to leave their vehicles in uniform. That's so great. they could come yeah, in and get, really their, fascinating. get their food. So yeah, In-N-Out was first. Hey there, buddy. The little guy is here again. She's I talking was, about the baby. I was surprised. <laughs> uh, 
I was surprised to learn that. So of all orders at U.S. fast food restaurants in 2022, 85 were taken, yeah. 85% taken to go. Yeah. And among full service restaurants, a full third of orders yeah. taken it is to an, go it in is 2022. An, it is an indictment of us as the human race that we choose not to see anybody anymore. So I used to go all the time to Chopped to get my salad to try to pretend to stay healthy. Right, right. And Get uh, your salad with few, fried chicken and ranch right. all over it. Yeah. <laughs> no, just medium means. And when, by, when I say medium, I mean heavy uh, for the dressing. I, a few months ago, they changed their whole system, and it's now kiosks. And you put your name in, and I feel like I've been complaining about this on various podcasts, but you put your name in, and then it, there's like a giant screen, and it tells you your, name, your order is taken. Your order is being prepared at what time? Your order will be ready at this time. And then through the wall, you know, the slot, they hand. So this way you don't have to talk to those people. And I know we know people who probably prefer that, but it's not good for us. Well, and during the pandemic, also, you got the touchless delivery at your house where when you did take out in the past, you would, you'd open the door and say, hey, oh, thanks. No, nothing, nothing. Appreciate Leave it, it there. And when you're back in your car, I will open the door. <laughs> and uh, here's another thing. So like in the morning, sometimes which is when I like to choose to go grocery shopping because it's not as crowded. It is kind of crowded. If you go, whether I go to Harris Teeter or Whole Foods or wherever in the early morning, who's there? The places, the, the aisles. No, not even the olds, not even the olds. Some of the olds like me, but it's teeming with workers. Uh, yeah. Filling in their the... groceries yeah. to deliver to people's homes. So you don't even forget again. You don't have to go to the supermarket. You don't even have to leave your house anymore. And everything comes to you. And that started with the pandemic. I mean, the the, the, the service began before that. Anti-progress Vic but over that, here. That's, I'm telling you, it is terrible. Here's another one. Let me rant one more thing. All right, go ahead. The Apple store. You ever try to go to have something, a question answered or something fixed, and you didn't go ahead of time in the Oh, app? yeah. No, you can't do that. They don't allow that. They won't even acknowledge. They'll, they won't even look at you in the eye. They'll put you in the dungeon for they that. They will. The Apple dungeon. <laughs> I like this quote about a Fort Worth McDonald's that's that's doing this. It's just just take away. It's, one guy says, it's like one huge vending machine. I love the ambiance and the people serving us. I hate to see McDonald's lose that. By the way, when we're talking about losing the ambiance of McDonald's, we've really. <laughs> Listen, but I agree. We, ha we have a local McDonald's that we yeah. love. Miss mm -hmm. Angela always gets our order right. Mm -hmm. We love her. Mm -hmm. And and I don't I don't want to lose my relationship with Miss Angela, who's fantastic really a flawless mcdonald's fantastic a flagship uh, if you will that's there's what we would call but there's it. one near our d near where we live now that is real throwback it has no drive-thru wow a mcdonald's without a drive-thru and you have to walk your butt in there and interact with people i think that's an oversight like milton in the office they just forgot it existed <laughs> And one day they're going to find out and they're going to turn it into the conveyor belt system. You know what? I just yeah. wish it had the the Hamburglar old playground. That's what I need in my life. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. Years ago, when the kids were very little, we had to stop at a McDonald's on the way up to Connecticut. But it was on the New Jersey Turnpike. And I think it was in Voorhees, way up north. And it had a McDonald's playland. And we went to get McDonald's for the kids. They see it. It's a playland. It was inside the McDonald's. Oh, yeah. They go in, and our daughter, who is like two or three, whatever, she goes into that tube. You cannot get her because you can't fit in no, there. No, you can't. You, that's true. That's true. You can't get them out of there. I had to send. We had to send our son to convince our daughter to get out of there. Yep. And plus, you know, like if you're into, if you're concerned about germs, <laughs> that whole this whole surface of Playland, the whole surface of Playland is contaminated. I have I have several times been stuck outside the Playland structure, going, <laughs> "You have to get down." <laughs> They're just stuck yeah. up there. Yeah. Oh, no. Never. That, that, and then they figure, oh, wait, you can't get me physically? Mm -hmm. Oh, we'll see how long this Never goes. Never leaving. No. But you know what? Yeah. This this mama will climb up there, though, if it needs to be done. Okay. <laughs> or or might I threaten to leave while all the other parents are looking at me horrified? Yeah. See you later, girls. That might work. That might. We were out. I remember on a line to get the food, and there was these teenagers in front of me. And I heard them commenting on the two kids at the Playland, meaning mine. And they're like, oh, look at those kids. I'd hate to be there. And I said, yeah, those are my kids. I said, <laughs> they're like, oh, sorry. I'm like, oh, believe me. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, I know about it. But let me say this briefly about I really hope, and I saw that McDonald's went out of their way to issue that statement saying, no, it's not going to be all McDonald's. It's not going to be automated. We still value people coming in. And I really do hope so. When I was in high school, all my high school buddies and I, we used to go to that McDonald's like straight out of a commercial. 
you know. In fact, we were was called... there a smoking section in the McDonald's was, back no, then? No, no, we were good, but we sat in the back. Because we we had a smoking section in all of our fast food restaurants. We and... might have not even real. Yeah, you probably yeah, didn't even notice. Wild. It seems insane. Oh, like our producer Jennifer is like, "What is that?" Yeah. But yes, I can almost fast... picture plastic ashtrays. Yeah. All the fast food restaurants used to have a smoking section because obviously the smoke can't go from this corner of Wendy's to that corner of Wendy's. Also, I need the smoke while I'm having my Big Mac. You know, I can't wait. I got to have it in between the Big Mac and the apple pie. Why is there so much heart disease? I need a cigarette. But just one last thought on this. Yeah. The name for the Chipotle version of this concept just epitomizes why I'm not a huge fan of this kind of thing. The, but the Chipotle oh. Digital Kitchen. What are we doing? You know, if we had sound effects, Jennifer, we're going to wah, wah. Okay. <laughs> Can we work on branding yeah, for that one? The Chipotle Digital Kitchen. No, thank you. It was hard enough to pronounce the name when that sh- when that a restaurant first. Do you remember people calling it Chipotle? Yes. Chipotle. You, we tell that, you know, because we're really authentic. We, we understand how to say Chipotle. Should we do parenting? Oh, okay. You don't want to talk about Kamala. Oh, no, no, do no. Do you no. want a little Kamala? Yes. It's, oh, is, it's been a while since we talked. Actually, it's a beautiful Indian name. It's been a while since we've talked about Kamala Harris. The vice president has been sort of in hiding. She doesn't she doesn't do a ton, partly because when she does do things, they don't turn out That's right. great. And this is so the Washington Post is now covering this phenomenon. Some Democrats are worried about Harris's political prospects. And Vic and I is, as you know, charter members of the Kamala Harris fan yes. club. We have to stick up for her in these situations. But the Democrats are coming for her. They are. They are coming for her. I like I like this quote from from someone who likes her. They're all like, oh, no, oh, no, 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 we like her personally. Yeah. However, this is a South, South Carolina Democratic strategist who spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of damaging professional relationships. Every fiber in my body wants her to be president. Everything I've ever fought for is for someone like her to be president. I think she's a good person with a good heart who can lead the country. But I don't know that the people who have have to make that happen feel that way right now. I don't know that she has what it takes to get over the hump in our present environment. Is it the environment yes. or is it, yes, the, it is. the candidate? No, no, Mary Catherine. The problem's not her. The problem is us. We mm-hmm. just don't realize how good she is. And the only challenge that she faces is that she needs to do a better job at, at conveying Okay, okay. all those accomplishments well, as like borders are. That's what this this article tells us. Yeah, is the whole thing was that. She just needs to have more visibility mm-hmm. And more projects and everything will go well. <laughs> Except that, like I said, this is a vicious cycle where they put her out to do more yeah, stuff and right. she has a bad showing right. and then they pull her back in. And by the way, while that cycle is happening, she loses three or four major staffers because they are all That's right. gone so fast. I think as far as media coverage goes, she gets better coverage and a lot more exposure than other vice presidents have in the past. But that said, you know, they're rooting for her and they give her the opportunity and then she blows the opportunity because she does make these gaffes, whether she's talking about Venn diagrams, school buses, or uh, talking to the child actors about space, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So also, there's an attempt in this article also to attribute any possibility that Harris might not be Mm -hmm. the heir apparent Mm -hmm. or the the president at some point Mm -hmm. to sexism and racism. Yes, I saw that misogyny. Yes. Obviously, Hillary's failures can be attributed to this. Mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams's failures yeah. can be attributed to this. It's never that this that the person involved is not a good not candidate. Qualified. There is no way these people who say this would ever vote for Nikki Haley. Price. Ever. Right? Or Condi Rice. By the really. way, I love that some of the Democrats like purport to be surprised by her lack of performance. I always like to remind people. She dropped out of the Democratic primary, and she had so much buzz, mm-hmm. so much more buzz and good coverage oh, than I think want, almost anyone else. This people, to happen. They were like, "This is the yes. this is the perfect sort of mirror image of what the Republicans want to do." Right? We're moving right. forward, progress, different. And she dropped out before any vote had been cast. Yeah, before Iowa, and along the way, in her very brief time in the race, she called her now current boss a big old racist. Yeah, everyone should remember, I was that girl, right? That was her line yes. during the debates when she ambushed Joe Biden. And it's really shocking that Joe Biden then would turn around and say, even though you attacked me and basically said I'm a racist, please be my running mate because I need you. You know, it's it's checking off these boxes. He didn't actually need her, but now he has her. And so they have to deal with this. My thought was, 
the, the way this ar- the, the way the argument is laid out about you know making the case for Kamala and how she needs to do better, it's like if you have a friend dating this this girl and everyone hates your the, the girlfriend, and then that's misogyny too. Yeah, thank you. Or yeah. boyfriend, and then you say, <laughs> you know, well, if you don't know what she's really like. You know, right. one on one. Oh, she's amazing. It's just that in this setting. But if you got to really know her, she's really amazing. And in fact, things that we hear about Kamala, you know, internally are terrifying. Yes. Well, this is what I'm saying about the staff turnover. Oh. That that is a sign. Harris says Harris's team, mm-hmm. aware of her stumbles, has signaled any number of resets to suggest that the vice president is about to hit her stride. We're like two and a half years in now. Harris officials say Jamal Simmons, Harris's second communications director, was brought in in to in part address the visibility issue, and he tried to increase the vice president's travel, encouraging her to meet with key constituency groups across the country. But then Simmons was gone within a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's a very nice guy, by the way. I don't know um, if you if you if you lose him, maybe, maybe there's something going my, on. My understanding turtle. is the the boss does not prep enough, yeah. and then when she is caught flat-footed, she takes it out on the staff who wanted her to. Prep. That rings true right. to me. Here's Senator Warren, Elizabeth Warren, oh, being yeah. asked about Kamala and her prospects. I've known Kamala for a long time. I like Kamala. I knew her back when she was when she was an attorney general and I was still uh, uh, teaching and we worked on the housing crisis together. So we go way back, but they need, they have to be a team and my sense is they are. I don't mean that by suggesting I think there are any problems. I think they are. By the way, Elizabeth Warren, just, I'll never agree with her on almost anything. Mm-hmm. Lady looks fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say her saying. Fantastic. By the way, her saying eighty-six is not old is like me saying fifty is no, not old. But this, just... but that's what I'm saying. She can get away with it because she's <laughs> like, look at me, man. Look right, at my look right. at my dewy skin and my yeah, and my blonde hair. Years of public service ahead of her. But then in the end, of course, but she she hedges. Yes. With with, with the vice president. Well, that's a little. It's a little bit awkward for her. And they, I believe, she issued a not a retraction, but I would say a clarification. Saying, don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, love, love Kamala. Love her. Totally Support love her. the team. The team. <laughs> There's the last right. quote in this in this piece, yeah. just, to, just to give you a sense of who we're blaming this on. There's a segment that just will not vote for a woman for president. And there's another segment that will not vote for an African-American. Having two of those checkboxes, you're just going to have a higher threshold regardless, said Eric Allen, chair of the Cobb County Democrats. Hillary had just one of those checks, and she was able to be vilified and beat up to the point that she couldn't recover. I mean, that's partly because she's a literal villain. I was going to say, (laughs) victim, really? As for Democrats, he said, there are some people in our party who are saying, we already have hurdles. Let's not create more. I mean, I, your hurdle is Kamala Harris is not good. Yeah, the hurdle. That's the hurdle. It's a competence hurdle. (laughs) Biden is not good, and also his heir apparent is not good. Yeah, that's the pickle they find themselves in. Luckily for them, we got Trump over here. Yeah, 2016, 2020, 2024, maybe 2028. I was talking to to Guy Benson yesterday about someone asked, like, should DeSantis wait a cycle? First of all, no, because you've got the Chris Christie problem where 2012 was his moment. He didn't take it. And then in 2016, obviously, right. that didn't work out. So I think DeSantis's profile Much is high, all, all the things. But also, never assume that Donald Trump will not be running for president again. Yeah. Like, he'll just keep running. They are repeating. I mean, Republicans are scared and they're hoping somebody else does, you know, does the, does the deed and take on Trump because they don't want to do it and upset the base. But maybe they can slip in after that's all done. So we, we will actually it's, it's a repeat. It's we should repeat. we should get into this a deeper discussion of this this week yeah. because I do wonder whether we're just on the exact same train Trajectory. track again. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. heading straight in the same direction we were and that is what's posited by an Atlantic piece by McKay Coppins who by the way is the person whose I believe BuzzFeed profile goaded Trump into running for president in the first place. Quite that's positive. a that's a that's a deep pull but that was a very old yeah. piece that Coppins wrote where he sort of Oh. Mocked yeah. Trump for wanting to run for president, mm-hmm. and look what happened next. You'll never believe what happened next in BuzzFeed language. Anyway, one more one more clip of Kamala. She's she was out oh, speaking man. this week in a in a Bane mask, and she has this to say about equity. Equality suggests often everybody should get the same thing. Well, that often assumes everybody started out in the same place as opposed to equity, which is everyone should end up in the same place. 
And if you then understand not everybody started out in the same place, you understand some people need more. So we all end up in the same place. Just a uniform society. This is one of this is one of those like quiet part out loud. You're My supposed, head hurts. You're supposed to finesse that a little yeah, bit yeah. and not just say that all the people should end up in the same place. But Kamala doesn't finesse. Things. You know, she started things off that I was thinking she actually going to say there's a difference between a quality of opportunity and a quality of outcome. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and that's what equity is. No, equality is you end up with the same thing at the end. And the equity is you end up at the same with the same thing at the end. <laughs> and great. that's what makes them different. It's fantastic. Is the spelling of the two words. OK. <laughs> All right. On to the New York Times. The, there's <laughs> that's a... not me. I'm telling you, those squeaky noises are not me. <laughs> baby is making himself known. <laughs> All right. So Pew did a giant survey of parents and the New York Times reports on how parenting today is different and harder. Subhead is parents feel intense pressure to be more hands-on and a new survey shows this often means more emotional engagement. So eight of 10 parents this is good news. By the way, you reporting this news, by the way, is such a great visual because you're reading the news. You're, you have your headphones on. And you are rocking the baby I'm, yeah, I'm in the stroller, the stroller, pushing the stroller simultaneously, and it sums it all up. This yep. is this is parenting at its best. Eight and ten parents this is the good news of children younger than eighteen find it to be enjoyable and rewarding, rewarding most or all of the time, according to a new survey. But two thirds also say it's harder than they thought it would be. Where are you on this, Vic? What what were they expecting? I, it, it, like it, like they th I always thought I'd have a governess. You know, this is like Bill Buckley growing up. You know, and then you don't see the kids till like thirteen. You know, I, the, no, I, I I I read the piece and I thought to myself, I don't even I don't remember spending too much time thinking about if parenting was going to be easy or hard. Right, it's just happening so fast that it just is. Yes, I'm. What, I'm what with are you. you. Gonna say? I'm, yeah, I'm with you on that's sort of my approach to yeah. to parenting. It's just happening. But I also think just hard things are rewarding. That's yes. like easy things generally aren't mm -hmm. that rewarding. And so parenting is a hard thing to do. I will say I do think there is an expectation that you spend more a more time with your kids than our parents or certainly their parents did and b that that time be really engaged and oh. quality and like yeah. that you have a purpose and you're They're teaching like, them something exactly. at all times this is working mothers especially spend as much time with their children as stay-at-home mo mothers did in the 1970s like that is when you're pulling double duty like that yeah. of course you're exhausted of course you're right. feeling like this is very very hard the other thing they found is that Yes, indeed. People feel like they need to be like doing specific activities mm -hmm. with their kids. Parents feel intense pressure to constantly teach and interact with their children. Let me just posit that some of that might be because there were no schools in 2020. So some of that yeah. might come from that. I'm just kidding. Thank you to the schools that opened, but the ones here did not. So they want to they want to be engaged, whereas previous generations spent more time doing adult activities when their children were around. I would like to say that adult activities like all the chores you do around the house, mm -hmm. your daily errands, all that stuff, those are learning opportunities yes. for your children. We have created a society in which we demand that there's a very specific way you right. teach kids. Just let them cook with you. Let them be there while you do it. Take them to the errand. That Those are actually yeah. learning experiences for mm -hmm. them. And we sort of feel this need to like double up on it. Right. Like, okay, I am now officially going to be spending time with my kid. Right. I'm going to teach. Here's this. a toy kitchen where I will right. teach my child about, <laughs> I'll sit next to my child. And it's interesting, too, that there's a there's a racial divide and an income divide on this stuff. Low-income parents and those who are black and Hispanic were most likely to say that being a parent was the most important thing about them. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're just going to leave that out there. Leave that out there hanging. I mean, yeah. all, the, all, all sure. races were united in their... They're uh, not so much concerned with getting the four-year-old the interview to get to the school yeah, maybe with the references. No, that's know, part of it is that no, people, this, this who are, people who are dissatisfied with parenting, particularly high-income people mm -hmm. and highly educated people, are making it harder for themselves. Yeah. They are, they are yeah. choosing mm -hmm. that path. All I think there's also, because there's this element of guilt, by the way. Yeah. On the one hand, you have all these people doing all these things for you. On the other hand, they're like, oh, it's supposed to be making things easier. But psychologically, it's probably making things harder. Well, it Some says one of the quotes from this professor of sociology at Wake Forest says, women are more invested in work and feel less guilty about that, too. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. I think they are more invested in work and remain very guilty about yeah. it. One of my favorite things about the way our parents raised us is that they worked very hard. Yeah. 
And we were often in before school and after school Mm -hmm. because they had long hours that they had to do. And they never seemed guilty about it. They seemed like they enjoyed Mm -hmm. their work. And we got to spend quality time with them when they were home. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that is that I think they spent most of their off time with us. So we got to have a lot of time with them and they weren't like going Mm -hmm. on big vacations without us and they weren't going to parties super often. They were with us. But I never felt shorted and I never felt like especially my mom just worked really hard and did not seem to feel guilty about it at all. And I thought that was a great model for us. It just was. Yeah. Again, it's, you know, you know, people will say like, oh, what is, what's it like to be a dad or whatever? And it's like, I don't know, it's just happening and you're just doing it. It's without, just happening. You don't, there's not, there's rare, rare are the moments where you can detach yourself like, wow, I feel great. This is an amazing moment. <laughs> you know, it's just because it's just happening. And you're talking about, you know, when you grew up, likewise, you know, my dad, you know, we had the doctor's office in the basement, like the Huxtables. And so, you know, they'd come up from time to time, but, you know, my dad would get up early in the morning and he'd have to go to the hospital to make his rounds. Early on, he went to two different hospitals and you come back for office hours and then you have dinner and then you go back and do a a final round of make your rounds. And in between that, sometimes you have surgery. And so I was like, oh, you really saw your dad? We just was. I didn't think like, oh, compared with other kids, not at all. I thought, oh, it's normal that this is the way it is. And that's just the way it is. That's it. Just it's is. That's a, the, is. the parenting the parenting guide from Vic. It just is, man. It just is. I found this sort of concerning, and actually probably indicates like like I was saying that other races and lower incomes, the fertility rate is higher, partly because they like value the oh, <laughs> being the parent more. Yeah. But if you this, this plays out That's here, cool. pressures to invest more in children may be one of the drivers of the na- nation's declining fertility rate. One mother, forty one, said, "I also have." one child instead of three, like my parents, to ensure we have enough resources for things like activities and tutoring. This is a high class issue. And tutoring? Yeah. And parents are thinking about these pressures when they consider their hopes for their own children's adulthoods. Just one in five parents said a top priority for their children's future was that they grow up to have families of their own. One in five. 20%. Y'all ain't gonna get no grandchildren at this rate. Wow. Come on. Yeah, that's... You got to bug them. You shouldn't bug them too much. That actually won't. That'll counteract the, the pressure. what you want. You mean um, the pressure? But all, <laughs> I, I did like this too. All all races were united at about 88 to 90 percent wanting a, a high priority for their kids to be financially independent. As in leave me alone. Yes. When you were out of the house. But that's what, that's what you're doing. That's you're it. creating adults. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And we see a little bit too much of not doing that. No, so I was glad I, to see that. My attitude has always been, I always want to encourage, you know, one of my kids to be in a, like a profession, like for example, being a doctor would be nice this way. You know, my dad and my father-in-law take care of me now. Right. And then my kids can take care of me <laughs> later and I'll always have somebody taking care of me. And you can edit their Christmas cards. And I can edit the Christmas card. Um, That's right. I also wanted to add this just from, this is from Reasons reporting. One of one of the reasons that parenting is harder now is because you can't let your kids free range outside the house. They end up free ranging on the internet, right? Oh. Because that's, yeah. that's the culturally mm-hmm. acceptable way mm-hmm. to let them have free reign. A story out of Connecticut, this is from a couple of years ago, but it's I think recently been dealt with publicly. Connecticut parents arrested for letting kids age seven and nine walk to Dunkin' Donuts. It was a Super Bowl Sunday on in February of 2019. Cynthia Rivers and her husband decided their kids seven and nine deserved a long promised treat for cleaning their rooms. The right to walk to Dunkin' Donuts by themselves. So they gave them seven bucks and they sent them through their very chill neighborhood in Connecticut, a suburban town in the northeast part of the state. There's an elementary school, a library, a state police barracks, mm-hmm. sidewalks, crosswalks, very normal neighborhood, nice. safe neighborhood. Yeah. A few minutes later, the river, river parents heard a knock at the door. It was the police. The husband was arrested. They oh said they gosh. had gotten many calls about seeing these children walk by themselves to Dunkin' Donuts. And that is part of the problem is you can't let your kids out of your sight, which means you have to be there right. supervising them all the time because- Society won't let you let them out of your sight. The the, the new social norms now, it's like unnatural to not have you hovering over your children at a certain age. I will say this, that and the other challenge that parents face today that we didn't face as kids is the whole thing about cell phones and social media. Yes. It's having a profound impact, I think, on kids that we don't even know the full, what that full impact is when they grow up because they're so, a lot of kids are so dependent on these things that to keep them entertained everywhere they go, they're constantly connected like it's an appendage 
And if you remove it, it's like, what do they do? They, you know, social interaction. It's a lot of it's bad. Yeah. I'm hoping that it's the bad. pendulum is swinging a bit on so. that. We are we are anti device in our house. That oh, does that doesn't yeah. mean they're not around, but they yeah. get very limited time. And the actually the Surgeon General was just saying that 13 is too young for social media for kids. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that the, the messaging is shifting yeah. on this. What is the right age for a child to start using social media? I worry that right now, if you look at the, the guidelines from the platforms, that age 13 uh, is when kids are technically allowed to use social media. But there are two concerns I have about that. One is, uh, I personally, based on the data I've seen, believe that 13 is too early. And I think that it's a time, you know, early adolescence where Kids are developing their identity, their sense of self. It's a time where it's really important for us to be thoughtful. To me, for my parenting philosophy with, with kids, everything requires like a very, there's a very tough climb teaching them skills acquisition. And then when you get to the skill, your life's going to get so much easier. So for instance, mm-hmm. you don't clean up after them all the time. You have them clean up, mm-hmm. right? Now teaching them to clean up and getting them to clean up is a whole battle, right? But if you put in some years on that, it's going to pay off down the road. Same yeah, with going to a restaurant. Away, no, chipping away. Well, same with going to a restaurant, right? People mm-hmm. don't take their kids, and of course the pandemic made this a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. They don't take their kids to a restaurant to have them train without an iPhone mm-hmm. or an iPad to sit there for a little while. And therefore, they're unable to do it. But if you put the work in, I used to take my kids to all sorts of crappy restaurants. Yeah. Apologies it's to great. the crappy restaurants. No, no, it's great practice. Ones where I'm not going to bother anyone with my screaming children. 100%. And just make them try to act mm-hmm. like humans yes and if you do that for a couple of years you will get the dividends you can you know and and then you'll eventually get to a point where you could take them to a nice restaurant or on the off chance you go to a restaurant where the service is really slow and you're not going to go out of your mind yeah. you know otherwise they can handle it you're going to be stuck at chipotle digital kitchen for the rest of your life <laughs> well said that wraps up another edition of getting hammered Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for being here, guys. Thank you, Cal, for being here as well. He's just waking up. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.